to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello, everybody. I have a number of things here that I'd like to read, and two examples of school-related policies that are making their way through both foreign countries and our country, and sort of the, um, well, blatantly nefarious motives behind it. So the first here that I want to read comes directly from the Department of Education and Training in East Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. And it's about two pages long, and this was a letter that went out to all of the families who have students who attend these schools. And as you might expect, they're now jabbing all of them, 12 years and older. And uh, again, if they want to attend school, then that has to be the case which it's murder, so there's that. Um, the second thing that I want to read too was emailed to me yesterday by Vanessa Hurst, who, as many of you know, has been a guest on the podcast on numerous occasions and contributes as well. Um, and the way that her son was treated regarding the quote-unquote contact tracing that's actually taking place in the Nelson County School District in Nelson County, Kentucky. And it's just awful. And again, that's putting it mildly. So let me read first from this East Melbourne, Victoria letter, which again is two pages long, and uh, you can get a taste as to exactly what they have up their sleeve, even though it's not even up their sleeve anymore because everybody can see it. So it reads as follows. Quote, Dear parents and guardians and carers, as part of the COVID-19 vaccination rollout from Monday, 13th September, all Australians aged 12 and older are now eligible to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, here's something that I'm going to interject real quick already. Having paid attention to what's gone on in Australia for at least the last couple of years, me personally, I can tell you that even they are on film saying that it's not mandatory, so they're saying eligible, and then they're using all of these words again to make it sound like it's 100% mandatory for everybody regardless of what you're doing, when in fact that's not the case. But again, to attend these schools, they're just laying the pressure on very, very thick, even though, well, I don't know, lots of different angles to take, I, I suppose, but I'm just going to continue here. Um, it's wordplay is, is basically what I'm saying. They're getting down to wordplay and the word manipulation and the word usage is all on purpose and they know exactly what they're doing and, and that's, that's part of the plan also. So it continues and it says the following, quote, Victorians aged 12 years and older are eligible to book and receive their COVID-19 vaccine at a state vaccination center. Commonwealth Vaccination Center participating GP clinics, pharmacies, and community health services. Vaccination is not mandatory, but it's highly encouraged. Getting vax, see, there you go. Vaccination is not mandatory, but highly encouraged. They hardly ever say that. They're saying it here, but they hardly ever vocally say that, in particular when they're on camera. It continues, getting vaccinated is the best way you can protect your child, your family, and your school community from further outbreaks and the spread of COVID-19. Please make an appointment to be vaccinated yourselves if you have not done so already. I'm going to interject here again. This is 
so heartbreaking reading reading all of this, but if if you're getting jabbed now, you're a fool. I mean, at this stage of the game, this late in the lie, then what have you been doing this entire time? What have you been paying attention to? I just saw this online, which is what reminded me. The actress, Angie Harmon, some of you may recognize that name, of old Law & Order fame and a bunch of other things, uh, used to be married to what's-his-face, Jason Seahorn, an old football player for the Giants. Um, she's, uh, I, I, I don't know if she's married or not. She's divorced. I know that. So single mother, whatever. Um, on Instagram, putting out a picture of her masked up in a pharmacy saying something to the tune of back in like late August of quote, finally got vaccinated today. Uh, had to have some friends hold my hand while I did it. And it's her and like her kids and some of her kids' friends or something. So it's her surrounding herself with younger individuals who probably pressured her to do it and then she did it. Again, say goodbye to Angie Harmon. Say goodbye. What these people don't understand this late in the game should prove to everybody how absent and brainwashed they are. How on earth can a human being without the without the presence of brainwashing go through life and this late in the game get jabbed when they haven't allegedly been thus far with all the information that's out there it it's it just astounds me it astounds me i don't uh i yeah i don't have the words yeah, i mean it's just it's next level i've said it a million times it's just next level brainwashing this late in the game. Okay, continuing on here. It says, quote, The Victorian government's aim is to provide an opportunity for all children ages 12 years and older to receive at least one vaccine dose by the end of the school year. We have written to your child to provide them with information about their eligibility for getting a vaccination. Students will be supported in every way possible to be vaccinated before the end of the school year. Quick question, Victoria government. How about informed consent? Are you telling them that people are dying from this immediately as soon as they take it? How about heart inflammation that, oh, by the way, fun fact, not fun at all. Um, the lifespan for someone came across this finally. It took a while, but I found it. Uh, the lifespan for someone with myocarditis is roughly five years. After you're diagnosed with myocarditis... Five years is about what you have. I've heard some doctors say four years. I've heard some doctors say three. I've heard some doctors say six. Point is, that's going to be the cause of your death. That's it. So that Division One player that you heard the other day, uh, in, in the last episode on Monday from the podcast, they, I believe, are a Tennessee golfer. And, uh, yeah, Diagnosed with myocarditis after taking the jabs. Well, I hope he looks up what the lifespan for having myocarditis is. Because again, his golf playing days are over, and it's not gonna it's not gonna go well for him here in the coming years. So again, it's all horrific, but for Christ's sake, to be as dumb as somebody like Angie Harmon and to not know that this is going on, I mean anybody. 
<laughs> it's, it's anybody. It's just anybody. For anybody to not know, they have to absolutely be glued to their television so so firmly that the television is actually on top of their head, and they themselves are plugged in. It's it's nuts. The letter continues, and there's a subsection here that says consent. This will be fun. Quote, students age 12 to 15 can book their own appointment and may be able to consent to vaccination themselves if the health professional assesses them to be a mature minor. So I wonder what that health professional is going to say if a minor shows up and says they want the jab. Hmm, I bet they're going to confirm that as quickly as possible and jab them to the bone. Then it says, this means that the health professional assesses that they understand the information relevant to the decision to the vaccinated, to be vaccinated, and the effect of that decision. That's funny. They're asking the patient, do you know what this will do? And the patient's going, oh, I guess. Again, they're openly saying that they themselves, as the quote-unquote medical professionals, are not providing informed consent. Then it says this, where a student is not considered to be a mature minor by the health professional, the health professional will seek consent from the student's parent slash carer. So I don't know what that even entails. They're just eventually going to say, well, you don't look like you need it, but we want you to have it because we want to wipe everybody out. So we'll just call your parents and see if we can wipe you out. I mean, I, I don't know. It continues, parents slash carers can attend with their child to provide consent in person or can complete a consent form for COVID-19 vaccination for their child to bring to their appointment. If you have any health care concerns or any health concerns rather regarding COVID-19 vaccines, please speak to your general practitioner. So they're telling you they're not going to give you information at the site of the jab because they don't want to do that. Um, it says you can also refer to the Department of Health website for information on vaccine safety and possible side effects. So again, they're just telling you to go here and look for this, go here and look for this, but they're not going to tell you. And then it says how to book your appointment. Booking for a Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine may be made for children ages uh, age 12 years and older via state vaccination centers, Commonwealth vaccination, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I said that. And they're just repeating themselves now. It says you can find a participating Commonwealth Vaccination Center, GP, pharmacy, or Commonwealth service through the eligibility checker, blah, blah, blah. For more information, check out this site. Translated advice about COVID-19 vaccines are available here. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Vaccines and mental health webinar for students on Tuesday, 14 of September. The Victorian Department of Health is hosting a live webinar for young people to provide information on COVID-19 vaccines and how to support their mental health. Your child can join the free webinar on Tuesday, the 14th September from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Registration is via this link. Topics will include vaccine development and safety. There is none and was none. Accessing and consenting to a vaccination. How to book an appointment, supporting your mental health, question and answer session with the panel. That should be interesting. I bet that was interesting. The question and answer session. Somebody had to have. I mean, I know we have some rebel students that are still out there. I know they exist. 
all of youth is not lost here. There had to have been a rebel student who got on that link to that webinar and was dropping some truth bombs. Had to have happened. And then, of course, they were probably muted immediately, and then uh, the Gestapo showed up at their door and hit them with a blow dart in the back of the neck and then whisked them away and, uh, you know, to never be seen again. But I, I, I almost guarantee that somebody, somebody, whatever you would call that, Zoom-bombed uh, that meeting with some truth bombs. It had to have happened. There's no way that you can have something like this that's so nefarious and so awful and not have somebody who knows what's going on just join those groups and start dropping the truth. So, yeah. So there's that. <clears throat> Absolutely awful. And again... They're looking to jab as many people as they can, just about everywhere and anywhere. And uh, it's worth bringing this up. I was going to bring this up at, at, at the end, but I'll bring it up now just because it kind of fits. A little depopulation talk, if we can, here briefly. And I know that this is a tough subject for a lot of people because they don't want to go that deep down the rabbit hole and they don't want to think that uh, seventh dimension you know, they don't want to think dimensionally that way, that this is a depopulation program, which it is. And again, if, if you're unaware of that, you need to get to that point. You need to go past the face value of, of why this is happening and saying things like, you don't understand, you don't understand. At this point, it should be pretty clear that they're trying to kill people off, and that's the entire process of this. And of course, their plan hasn't worked for a great deal of people. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to continue, hence the booster shots and hence squeezing other avenues of business and work and education in order to get as many people jabbed as humanly possible. But <clears throat> I brought this up in the past, and it, and it bears repeating, and, and certainly food for thought here. Again, Douglas Belmore is, was an old uh, community college professor, older community college professor in Arizona, and he lost his job for speaking the truth about a great many things in the classroom and teaching people about how the world actually works and who's behind the nefarious actions of those that run the show and so on and so forth. Um, he, as I mentioned in the past, he brought up in a, in a, in a gab post that filling schools with illegals is the next step. So, as far as depopulation is concerned, the next move, I think, and I agree with him, and I, which is why I'm repeating this, I think the next move is to try to get as many illegals in American K-12 schools and colleges and universities as possible. Why? Because down the line, the people who have taken the jabs are going to be remarkably unwell, if not gone completely. Having said that, they've got to fill that seat, don't they? And they already, I might add, fill it with illegal students. Very famous case of a Dallas-Fort Worth, Arlington, Texas area teacher a number of years ago. I even wrote about this in my book, Purposeful Deception. I mean, and that was 2018, 2019, so this is how far back that was. But she, in fact, it was, I think, 2018, if I'm not entirely mistaken. Either way, um, she tweeted out to the President of the United States, Donald Trump, and said, Mr. President, we have illegals swarming our school district. 
I don't know if it was Dallas Unified or Fort Worth Unified or Arlington Unified. It was something like that. But it was in that general area of Texas. And again, she said they're dealing drugs. They have no papers. Um, they're completely illegal. And they're showing up. They can't speak English. Uh, but they're walking from class to class. Our entire school is is filled to the brim. You have to do something about this. She was placed on administrative leave and lost her job. Then she sued. And she lost her lawsuit. They fired her anyway, if memory serves me correctly. And that took at least a year or two to, uh, to finally reach its conclusion. So it's already happening. They're already doing what they can because, again, a body in a seat is a dollar sign. And as long as that person is there, illegal or not, then that school is still getting money. So I would encourage people to, to keep that <clears throat> basically in the backs of their minds. That that right there is one of the things that, again, very few people are talking about. Douglas Belmore hit the, hit the nail right on the head as far as I'm concerned. I think he's 100% right. Because, again, we're already incentivizing illegals to come here, not to mention, again, they're not testing nor jabbing because the tests are false, but they're not even jabbing illegals who come here. And they're relocating them. So, again, that, that has to be mentioned. Okay. Here's the next thing I'd like to read. And this was emailed to me by a listener of the podcast. And I'm going to read this email to them, even though I invited them on the podcast to basically discuss this, but I would assume they've given me full permission to bring this up anyway, because it's, it's certainly worth mentioning and, uh, and, and rocking through here. Um, this is an individual, I believe, in the general Louisville, Kentucky area. And then at the end of this, I'm going to get to what Vanessa Hurst's um, son had to deal with, because it's awful. Um, okay, so it says this. The email was sent to me uh, this way. It says, Hi, Sean. It says, I discovered you through your appearance on Alex Jones and certainly appreciate your content and up-to-date information. I've been wanting to send an email for a while just to get things off my chest. Genuinely, don't feel obligated to read or respond. Thank you, and please continue your work. By the way, I want to make everybody know this who listens. If you email me, I'll respond to you. I respond to every email. I don't think I've missed a single one. There may have been one or two where I, I read it and then I sort of put it down and I, and I forgot to respond. It wasn't because I didn't want to respond, but I certainly respond to every email. So please feel free and email me anytime with information like what you're going to hear now or, uh, if, you know, again, if you want to be on the podcast, you're, it's completely your call. Uh, it says the following here, quote, as a Louisville resident sharing the high school alma mater of your interviewee from Xavier University, the regional discussions are more personal than most podcasts. You inquired about Trinity. It's an individual, all-boys, Catholic high school founded in the 1950s. Your discussion around West Bradley and Nelson County schools, a half hour south of me, occasionally bring up Louisville in a positive light. I feel compelled to write and say Louisville may be a contender for one of the worst public school systems. If you'd like some potential show material, sure. JCPS, Louisville's K-12 public school system, 27th largest in the country, has frankly been a shit show since before I was born. I haven't kept up with much of their current problems as I either plan to homeschool my kids or leave the country, 
but it may be fun to look into. JCPS operating budget is $1.8 billion per year, a budget larger than that of the city. But they can brag that they that according to state test scores, 36% of students are proficient in math and 46% in reading. That's that's awful, to say the least. Um, it continues, they still practice busing. The 1970s initiative to send children to other areas of town to homogenize the community. As such, as such, JCPS operates one of the 10 largest transportation systems in the nation. In the mid-90s, my parents chose an overpriced Catholic education for me uh, when they discovered I would not be going to the public kindergarten two blocks away, but to an inner city school 40 minutes away, being bused past dozens of other capable K-8 through schools every day. My parents witnessed apathetic teachers as well as students blatantly fighting during their school tour. That was almost 30 years ago. I'm certain the climate hasn't improved. The state has threatened JCPS with a state takeover in 2018 and 2020. Pre-COVID, the teachers union organized sick outs, quote-unquote, as a threat to lawmakers to pass a state bill to increase the school revenue from local property taxes. Nearly 10% of our property tax is now allocated to the JCPS system. They recently announced a $5,000 bonus for each employee working, quote-unquote, during, during 2020. CRT is alive and well, though there's a bill trying to remove it. They're requiring masks after the Kentucky Assembly finally vetoed the mask mandate this week. So again, they're they're sticking it to government. Government says no, you can't wear masks anymore. That's not going to happen. And they're saying no, we're still wearing. They're still wearing masks. Again, these school districts are continuing to advocate for the abuse of children. I've been over the cancer causing, uh, the mask causing cancer. I, you know, I, I I've been over that, and um, it's only going to get worse. I'm afraid. Uh, they wrap it up by saying this. Finally, a vice president on the school board, Chris Kolb if I'm saying his last name right, is in hot water for seeing someone dare ask about the harm masks could do to children. And this is a tweet from August 10th of this year from a Whitney Westerfield, and it says, quote, Did anyone even speak at all to the psychological and educational harm to students wearing masks all day? I sure didn't catch if they did. So frustrating. And then the vice president of the school board, Chris Kolb, responded, quote, fuck you, unquote. And that was it. So yes, um, the unfortunate part about, well, there's a number of unfortunate parts about this, which is why the entire building is crumbling. And uh, people have got to run Run, run, run as far as they can from from these buildings and these 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 districts and these um, these institutions. They are, I mean, the the inmates are running the asylum, and again, that's putting it mildly. When a state department of education <clears throat> intervenes in a public school or a public school district or a particular school per se because they either graded low in their state grading system as a D or an F school, or, you know, I know that that differs from, from state to state. Uh, 
state intervention doesn't necessarily mean that the school is going to improve in any way. In fact, in many cases, it doesn't. They tend to then fire a couple of people to send a message. Sometimes it works. Usually it just makes other people angry, in particular the worst of the worst, because if they get rid of some bad people, then that just infuriates uh, the unethical and unprofessional individuals because, again, they're losing one of their own. One of their own sycophants has just been shown the door. Uh, they'll usually chop off an administrator or two. They may even take over the entire school board, and there are plenty of cases where that happens also. And then they will hire, the state will hire in uh, interim individuals to, to, to again, quote-unquote, assess what exactly is going on. Does it mean that the school district's going to get better? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it does not. And it typically doesn't. One of the things that they'll do, and again, very nefarious in nature, is they'll simply move the numbers around, they'll shift the books a little bit, they'll delete a few things to make things look better than they actually are, and then within a couple of years, they'll say, oh, look, they went from being an F school to now they're a C school, or now they're a B school. So now that means that we don't have to do this anymore, and we can have new elections where new school board members can show up, and then ultimately everything just goes back to being the way that it was before when they were failing. It's the, uh, it's the illusion of correction. They're not actually correcting anything. They're just making it look like they're correcting things, and then there you go. But getting the state out of the district, once the state works its way into the district, is a very difficult thing to do. And you're talking about a level of headaches that even the average school teacher cannot comprehend, because the paperwork alone is mind-numbing. You're going to have local again, just very average school teachers, classroom teachers, filling out more and more paperwork to essentially cover their asses to make sure that they're following what the new state infiltration people have lined up for them. And they're going to have to prove a thousand things over. But then again, you've got to consider this. You have the, the critical theory Marxist nonsense all throughout, clearly, the Louisville public school system. Given the fact that that's the case and, and, and the entire county, having the state show up, who is also Marxist and also critical theory to the bone, having them show up to fix their own problem, um, that's, that's not going to quite happen. I mean, it's just not. That would be like throwing a box of matches at a burning house in, the, in an effort to put out the fire. It isn't going to work. So, again, that's why every conceivable angle, regardless of how you think of it from a different dimension or a different side angle XYZ, you just... It's not going to fix itself. And the people at the state level aren't going to fix what's going on at the local level because the people at the state level caused all of it. And they allowed it. And then the local level ran with it. And now the shit has hit the fan. 
And now what? Now you're going back to the well where the poison exists as, as all of that poison works its way back to the local level to fix it. I'm repeating myself, but you get what I'm saying. That's why it's, it's inconceivable that these environments will exist in the future. I don't, know, I don't know what the buildings will turn out to be in the future. I can't really know that. I can take guesses. They might turn themselves into mental institutions. They might turn themselves into quote-unquote schools for the learning disabled and physically handicapped. Um, I'm not sure. But at face value, just looking at it right now, doesn't it kind of already look that way? I'm not trying to put people down. I'm just saying that you've got people walking around wearing masks who don't need them. You have people playing doctor when they're not doctor. And even the real doctors can't play doctor correctly. All of this is happening in this environment where proven research on how people learn, teach, study, retain information, comprehend, etc., etc., are, are doing none of those things anymore. None of them. So, it's a very long, drawn-out answer. I just, um, it's awful, to say the least. And it does not surprise me in the slightest. And I'm sorry to hear that that's the case. I'm glad that this individual is, is considering homeschooling. I, I certainly hope they do. It really is the only way going forward here. Families have got to circle the wagons. And I know that that's difficult for so many. Uh, I, fully, I fully get it. You know, we, we didn't all see this coming, but we've we, we've got to start doing what we can to see things coming because um, it's not getting better, which leads me to Vanessa Hurst's experience here recently. So allow me to read this, and she has, uh, I, I have her permission to read it, and I'm going to because it's remarkably important, and the contact tracing nonsense that it's taking place is showing that even schools aren't following their own policies, and even they don't know what's going on regarding, of course, what's really going on. And then they're not even following the corrupt CDC suggestions, which are uh, asinine, to say the least. Okay, so, her son will go unnamed, but she emailed me, and we were kind of texting back and forth, and it, I think it's just, again, horrific, and... Um, it just shows the incompetence of the individuals running this entire shit show. Uh, it says the following. Her, her email to me said this, quote, So if you're jabbed and can still get and transmit the China virus, you may return to school. However, if you're unjabbed and can get and transmit the China virus, transmit just like the jabbed, you must quarantine for X amount of days. If you test negative, an X amount of days if you refuse testing. She said the following, I went to pick him up at the office staff at the office and office staff didn't know the nurse who contacted me. Her son wasn't even in the building and had been to all of his morning classes lunch and had gotten on the bus to go across town to their ATC for his carpentry class. I had to drive to the ATC to get him. He didn't even know he was quote-unquote in quarantine until the high school secretary contacted the ATC teacher, and I was coming for him. RIP logic, my brain hurts, and now I need whiskey. 
I love it. Yeah, no kidding. So apparently, and again, my apologies if I get parts of this wrong, but either an email gets sent out to parents or a phone call or there's an app associated with it or what have you. Um, but it's just nuts. So the letter that she received from Nelson County, I believe over email, states the following. It says, quote, uh, If he is at school, please make your way to school to pick him up. It says, To the parent guardian of child's name. Today your child was identified as having close contact with another individual testing positive for COVID-19. If your child is fully vaccinated, at least two weeks have passed since receiving their second dose, he, she may return to school as usual. Tomorrow, as long as a copy of the vaccine card is emailed to the school nurse prior to 8 a.m. Anyone not fully vaccinated or unable to show proof of being fully vaccinated must quarantine at home. If they remain symptom-free... They are a candidate to test out of quarantine earlier, seven days of quarantine versus 10 days. To take advantage of this shorter quarantine option, your child may be tested for COVID-19 on or after this date, September 15th, uh, September 15th. However, if they receive a negative test, they must still remain in quarantine until their release date. <sighs> For the love of for the love of God. So if they test positive using a faulty test that doesn't test for anything, they still have to quote unquote quarantine. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> the ship is sinking. The rats are leaving. Uh the iceberg is coming, the torpedo is coming. It's time to just leave. I, you know, this is awful, and it gets worse. Um, it continues, quote, their first date out of quarantine will be blank, and then it says September 18th, 2021, blank. To be eligible for this test out of quarantine option, they must present a negative test result to their school care clinic nurse upon return to the school and have remained symptom-free during the entire length of of their quarantine. If you do not wish for your child to participate in the test out option for shortened quarantine, their first date out of quarantine will be the 21st of September. There is no testing required for this option. Again, the tests are harming people. They are poisonous, filled with carcinogens, and these tests are being used on adults and children on a constant basis in American schools. They're giving them cancer twofold. Mask wearing with oxygen deprivation, and then they're lining their bodies with graphene oxide and ethylene oxide from the tests. It's an absolute depopulation nightmare, and that's redundant. Oh my... It says, if your child should develop symptoms as we ask that you get them tested immediately. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll start that over. If your child should develop symptoms, we ask that you get them tested immediately. If they test positive, please complete the positive reporting Google form found on your website. Even if they test negative, 
they are required to notify their school care clinic nurse so their return date can be adjusted. We look forward to welcoming your child back into our schools once their quarantine period is complete. Thank you, and then that's it. I love I love the Google stuff, too. <clears throat> it might as well read like this. Ladies and gentlemen of Nelson County, your child has not tested positive, but we suspect that they were around somebody who tested positive. Therefore, we're going to send a bunch of students home for no reason because we've all lost our minds. On top of that, we're going to ask that you keep them home for longer, even if they aren't sick. Because, you know, that makes sense. We're also going to ask that you upload all of this to the China-controlled Google platform so that the Chinese government knows not only where you live, but that your child is or may not be sick ever. Or has been tested, or has or has not been jabbed, so that they know exactly who to take over and attack when the full invasion occurs. Thank you for understanding, Nelson County Public Schools. So I responded back. And I said, they kidnapped him without his knowledge and your consent. At least that's what it seemed like to me. Um, essentially, what ended up happening was, is he made his way to their technical building on a bus with countless other students. He's not sick. Nothing's wrong with him. He's fine. But now he's staying home and apparently has to stay home for X amount of days, as I just read. The people at their technical building didn't even know about any of this. Point being, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing because the head is in the ass. That's it. Then, they cra uh, then Vanessa crafted this letter, which is, again, very well written. And uh, she points directly to the CDC's website and circles a couple of facts. Oh, well, you know. I should say CDC facts is like jumbo shrimp. Um, I would say they're ongoing uh, trail covering as best they can, so to speak. So it says the following. It says, Dear school nurse, I understand that you're doing your job, which is vastly overwhelming, especially with all the contact tracing. I'm sure there are dozens of phone calls you have to make every day and answer hundreds of the same questions over and over. It can't be easy, and I respect you for your work. I love the way this starts because, again, this is what we refer to as a shit sandwich. It's two compliments and then shit in the middle. So here we go. She then says, however, ah, here it comes. I fail to understand a few things about quarantine, and I'm hoping you can clear up some confusion. First and foremost, according to the CDC, vaccinated individuals can still get and transmit the virus. Ooh, truth bomb. Though the CDC claims the likelihood of this is low, the potential is still there, and if it is as vi uh, virulent and transmissible as we've all been told, why are the district policies taking a chance on any potential transmission to any person whether or not they are vaccinated? Good question. Second, why aren't you all requiring vaccinated individuals to provide a negative test before returning to school? It hardly seems logical to have a vaccinated person come back to school the very next day who, according to the CDC, may be carrying the virus. If they are positive, 
Their vaccination card will not keep them from transmitting COVID to another person. Currently, the CDC isn't even tracking breakthrough cases unless hospitalization is involved. Objectively, it appears that the deck is stacked against those who choose, for whatever reason, not to vaccinate. But what's worse is the CDC itself admits breakthrough infections do happen and that those who have a breakthrough case are in fact contagious. Yet from what I'm reading in the email I received, it doesn't matter as long as they have a vaccination card, students and employees may return to school the next day. Third, if my son has to, has to be quarantined because of potential exposure, why wasn't he pulled from class and have to wait somewhere until I picked him up? He had gone through half a class, lunch, gotten on the bus to go to the ATC, and halfway through another class before I was able to leave work to pick him up. If he has been exposed and has the potential to transmit it to others because he was vaccinated, because he wasn't vaccinated, rather, and he hasn't been and won't be, uh, why then was he allowed to continue through his day? He had no idea any of this had transpired until his ATC teacher pulled him from class and told him his mom was coming to pick him up. So if, God forbid, he tests positive Wednesday, are all those classes, whoever he was around at lunch, the kids on the bus, and the class at the ATC going to have to go into quarantine as well? Question mark. And while we're talking about testing exposed unvaccinated kids, What is the logic behind testing then waiting three more days? If these nonsensical policies continue to be enforced and upheld, I can only conclude that according to what I'm reading from the CDC alone, the inevitable rise in COVID cases in our district will rest on the shoulders of whoever comes up with and decides these policies are a good idea. If there is something I'm missing, by all means, I'd like to know. Respectfully, Vanessa Hurst. Yeah, it's logic. Just more logic, and it's going to go in one of their ears and out out the other. If they were logical, they wouldn't be doing any of this to begin with. That's number one. Number two, if they were even more logical, which is impossible at this stage of the game, they would go through Vanessa's email line by line and answer her line by line. But they can't because they're idiots. It's that simple. We're talking about brainwashed people here. And I read this online, by the way. Nice transition, by the way. Uh, and, and I, again, kudos to, to, to Vanessa and her family here for, um, for, of course, highlighting the hypocrisy and stupidity of this entire situation. But this was brought up, again, on GreatAwakening.win in an excellent post. And I put it in my BitChute war, This Is War videos. And it really is worth mentioning. What's going on here is the largest MKUltra brainwashing event that has taken place. I mean, television is an MKUltra device. The, the, the TV, the Tel-A-Vision-Programming, that's, that's why it was developed. We have school nurses in American K-12 schools watching TV, probably nightly, to get their latest COVID-19 news. Breaking. The unvaccinated are dying while the vaccinated are 100% fine, but the vaccinated need more shots because there's a chance that they are spreading something, but blah, blah, blah. 
They're going home and they're watching television, believing it, and then coming back to work and repeating what they're watching on TV. They've also gotten individuals, countless individuals, to the point where, including, I might add, some of my own extended family members, I'm not making this up, they will go unnamed, but they actually believe that because they are jabbed, that they will not be around or nor can hang out with their other family members who are not jabbed. They think that they're going to get sick from the unjabbed. Honest to God. Um, I, this is the temple-rubbing madness that is really occurring. This is the brainwashing that is really occurring. They've officially got human beings on earth believing that if you've taken this deadly jab, which, by the way, is exhibiting all of the signs and symptoms of honest-to-Christ radiation poisoning, including hair loss, I might add, it's got these people believing whether it's mad cow disease or something else going on in their heads, that not having the jab causes the jabbed to get ill. That, that, is, a, that, is, that, that is a completely different level of, of synapses not firing. They're just, they're not firing anymore. And I'm afraid that's going to get worse. I don't think that's going to get better. I think that it, uh, that logical behavior is on the way out for a great many people. And it breaks my heart that that's the case. But again, the, the mental deterioration of human beings who have taken the jabs has been shown to occur. As I brought up again in the last episode with spongiformal encephalopathy mad cow disease, the triggers for Alzheimer's disease as well, even ALS. You're talking about a nervous system unplugging that's taking place where people aren't even thinking anymore about the most basic things regarding what a quote-unquote vaccine is supposed to do. It's next level nuts. It's next level nuts. Speaking of next level nuts... Let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth, shall we? And uh, take a guess as to who this is. We know that the virus travels when people move around the country. Don Baer, the Democratic congressman from Virginia, um, has a bill proposing that people traveling within the United States on airplanes and trains should either be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative COVID test. This is very common practice now in Europe. I've just been traveling all over Europe. You can't get on a plane without having some kind of proof that you're negative. It seems to me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and nobody's going to check me. Do you think that needs to change? Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact, it is seriously considered, it's on the table, we're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days 
what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who in fact are traveling and don't get tested. And I, and I believe that the idea about requiring vaccination for travel is something that is on the table for discussion. It has not been decided yet. I got an idea for him. Here's an idea. How about you grab yourself by the back of your own shirt and throw yourself off a cliff? How about you do that? Do everybody a little favorooski there, will you? Finding people if they aren't jabbed for traveling domestically. How are you going to do that? We have guns. We have guns. You won't win. You will lose. It's pretty simple. They think they're going to get away with this. That's the psychopathology. That's why they're crazy. That's why they are sociopaths and psychopaths. Because they actually believe they're going to get away with this. They're not going to get away with it. It's not going to happen. Okay. I've, I've hosed down. I'm hosed down now. I'm calm. Two more stories I want to bring. Two uh, bring up here two pieces of audio. I tossed these up on Gab, but I want to play them both because they're both relevant. They, they're directly related to things that I've personally said publicly and um, things that I've, I've mentioned here on the podcast as well, which would, of course, be publicly. So the first has to do with a Massachusetts order from their governor stating that the National Guard is being called in to drive school buses or drive students to school because of their school bus driver shortage. You can't make this up. The actual National Guard is being called in for an extended period of time, so to speak, to drive kids to school. Here's the audio. Calling in the National Guard, Governor Baker's move to help schools deal with a shortage of bus drivers. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Lisa Hughes. David is off tonight. Guard members are going to be driving students in Chelsea, Lawrence, Lowell, and Lynn. As Christina Rex explains, their mission will be getting kids to school safely and on time. School administrators tell me having the National Guard come in will be a huge relief to an otherwise bumpy start to the school year. But the National Guard members won't be driving these big yellow buses. Nothing about the last year and a half has been normal. Including the bus routes. A rocky start to the school year has caused kids to miss the bus or show up to school late. Miss the bus because the bus was there earlier than what is said on the time. Gustavo Barahona's seven-year-old missed the bus on his first day. But these problems could soon be fixed with the help of our military. Governor Charlie Baker is deploying the National Guard, yes, to drive kids to school. Because obviously the goal here is to try to make sure if we have vehicles, um, we put people in who are qualified to drive them and, and do what we can to make sure kids can get to school. Because obviously the, the driver shortage is creating some real issues. WBZ has covered the bus driver shortage and ensuing struggles for weeks. And Chelsea superintendent says it's been another wrench in an already trying time. It's like we've worked so hard to get our kids finally to the place where they can come to school. Now we've got to get them to school and on time we want our kids in school so they can learn. Up to 250 eligible guard members will be deployed. They'll drive vans known as 7D vehicles and start by helping Chelsea, Lawrence, Lowell and Lynn. 
but could soon come to other towns in need. We're grateful. I'm thankful that somebody was definitely thinking out of the box. When I got the call, I was like, oh, that's an interesting solution. Yes, okay. No word yet on just how long this program is going to last, but Governor Baker did say he's confident the money will be reimbursed by the federal government. In Lowell, Christina Rex, WBZ News. Where to even begin? Oh, my. Deep breath. Here we go. The National Guard. When in the history of humans has this occurred? Where the National Guard is picking up students in their own military vehicles, according to them, and driving them to school. This is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Now, unfortunately, the governor, I believe, has the constitutional right to do such a thing. They can call in the National Guard for what I thought were emergencies, like national security emergencies or weather emergencies. This doesn't seem like an emergency. This seems like malfeasance at the employee level, or employment level, rather. We know why the bus drivers don't want to drive buses. We know why. They don't want to hose the buses down every day. They don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to get jabbed. The bus drivers are completely based. They're totally awake. They know what's going on. And by the way, Massachusetts, of course, as I've even brought up here on a, countless occasions, isn't the only place that has the busing shortages. Um, Louisville, Kentucky, same thing. Countless other school districts in Kentucky, same thing. If it's happening those places, it's happening everywhere. It has to be happening everywhere. So again, when, when we hear these little stories or these little areas or these little pockets of society that are saying, well, you know, the, we, have to, we have to change things up and we have to mix things up because um, these are unprecedented times and we just want to get back to normal and we can't employ these people because they just don't want to come to work. That's No, they need to start looking into a mirror. It's your own policies that are causing people to not go to work, which is one of the reasons why I'm sick and tired of hearing people say, well, people don't want to go back to work because they're receiving all this money from the government to not work. No, that stopped a while ago. That's not it. They don't want to go back to work because they don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to get jabbed. They don't want to die. That's why they don't want to go back to work. They don't want to get yanked around like there's a, like there's a, a leash around their neck consistently getting pulled by totalitarians. That's why they don't want to go back to work. And people are waking up to that fact. Hence, all of the marches that are taking place all over the place, including the United States, New York, California, and everywhere in between. That's why people don't want to go back to work. Because they're being tortured, and they're being asked to take a poison that's going to kill them. Makes sense, does it not? It makes complete and utter sense. Now, here's the last clip I want to play. And by the way, again, with the bus thing, one last thing. Uh, this just, again, hit me like a freight train. Putting children on a military vehicle, okay, uh, to go from point A to point B, suspicious, is it not? I mean, it's beyond suspicious. 
Are they training them for something else? Are they are 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 the is the American National Guard actually going to start taking people to camps in the future? Is that really going to happen? Again, we have guns. I can't actually Im- imagine them doing that. I can't imagine them standing down even and having you know uh, UN workers. Or UN soldiers in UN vehicles doing that to us. Can't can't imagine that. I can't imagine it. I can see them attempting. I can see them trying. But um, they're not going to get away with it. Here's the last thing. This is a mobile blood donation bus in Australia. And an individual, bless their hearts, a total patriot, walks up and asks them whether or not they're testing to see if the blood that is being donated is vaccinated blood or jabbed blood. Because remember, I said in a school board meeting that some people probably heard that there are places where you cannot donate blood because they're saying you've been jabbed, we don't want your donated blood. And then there are other places that are saying, well, it doesn't matter, go ahead and donate your blood. Are they cleaning the blood of the spike proteins? What's going on? Are they doing that, or are they just giving toxic blood to people who need it, not uh, with, with the recipient not knowing that it's toxic? So give this a listen. How you doing? Just wanted you to confirm that you've taken blood from people who are vaccinated. Can you confirm that for me? You say, have you guys done a blood smear on the people who are vaccinated? Have you guys done a blood smear of the people who are vaccinated? Have you seen what's happened to their blood? And you guys are going to put that in people? Excellent. How you doing? Yeah, good. I'm Natalie. I'm Tim. You, have you guys done a blood smear on the people that are vaccinated? So I'm just a registered nurse here. Yeah. Um, we just go by what's policy okay. at the moment. So, um, well, I would suggest before you guys go doing anything with this blood from vaccinated people, you do a blood smear on what's actually happening to the blood of people that are vaccinated. It's getting done all over the world. Australia is running dead last in this race. So it's going to start... Doing this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Countries all over the world will not take blood donations from people who are vaccinated, and there's a reason for it. Yeah. So I'm just the registered nurse here, but I'm more than happy to use ring our head office. Did you want me to give you the number? Please, yeah, that'd be great. Who am I from? My housemate. I won't fill me up. I understand, mate. I'm a Christian. I've been following this for a long time, mate. Yeah. yeah. So this here is our head number. Awesome. They can put you on to our team. Thanks, Natalie. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you very much. Yes, sir. You agree with me, mate? Yeah, of course. 100%. 700%. Beautiful. Thank you, my man. Hey. So allow me to bring this full circle if I can. Just like in the form that's being sent out to children in Australia and their parents and seers or whatever they call that, their guardians, so to speak. The consistent line is, just call this number, just look at this website, just look at this, just go here. They'll tell you, they'll tell you, they'll tell you, but the person doing it can't tell you. 
and they certainly don't want to be on camera saying that they that they either don't know or that they are in fact doing that. So if anybody has any questions any more about whether or not they're taking blood donations from jabbed people, which is toxic blood, I might add, then there's your answer. There it is. I, d I just don't know what more proof people need. They either know what they're doing and they don't care, or they have no idea what they're doing. It's it's got to be one of those two. There might even be another option. I'm not entirely sure what the other angle is, but there probably is another angle. So that's that. I'll end by saying this. I know that there was a story out there, and I even put it out on my Gab account, about uh, you know the pornographic books and the pornographic comic books that find their way into American K-12 public schools. The reason that I don't spend a lot of time on that on, you know, is on the podcast as soon as it comes up isn't because it's not important. It's because we should just assume that this is going on everywhere. This has been going on everywhere for quite some time. Parents will walk up to school boards, they'll walk up to the lectern, and they'll start reading directly from these pornographic books. Do they belong in schools? No. Should they be written at all? Of course not. Should they even exist and the people who write them exist? No. In my opinion, they shouldn't exist at all. I know that's a harsh uh, approach to take, but these people are perverse by themselves. So again, continuing to mention them and bring them up I think is an outrage, but at the exact same time, um, it, it, it is necessary to bring it up, but I didn't want anybody to think that that somehow slipped past me. I was fully aware of what was going on. I know it's going on all over the place. My recommendation is simple. If you're still sending your children to these environments, which as you know I've advocated for people to not do anymore because they're crumbling and the house is on fire and we need to run, um, definitely during the open house quote-unquote sessions that take place, walk through the libraries. Ask the librarian if these kinds of books are there. You'll put them on the spot and they'll get super nervous. However, don't assume that the librarians are ethical people because they aren't always. One of the things that they'll do, and yes, this happens, they'll take the pornographic books, so to speak, and they'll put them in a bin with the other pornographic books and they'll take them off the shelves for when they know that parents are going to be there. And then when the parents leave, they simply scatter the books all over the, uh, the library shelves, the bookshelves, and then they're right back where they were. So the old bait and switch, so to speak, but it does happen. So other than that, I'll catch you on Friday. I'm sure more stuff is going to occur. Just call it a hunch. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.